Welcome to What The Fit, a podcast about what it means to be fit, whatever the fuck that means. I'm your host, Christelle Rubio, and I'm helping to share the stories of cool people doing cool shit, from fitness trainers to wellness coaches, entrepreneurs, and entertainers. We'll hear the behind-the-scenes journey, all the different ways we can take care of ourselves, and of course, we'll answer and explore the big question of, what does being fit mean to you? Welcome to What the Fit, a podcast about what it means to be fit, whatever the fuck that means. I'm your host, Christelle, back for part two of the Eurotrip Recap with Charlie. Hello, Charlie. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. <laughs> How are you today? How are you feeling? I'm great. It's You're so loud. <laughs> it's Saturday morning, <laughs> and we're having breakfast at What the Fit Studios. It's called Rubio Studios. Rubio Studios. We've had our... Our coffee and our ice cream, and, and we've not had ice ready cream. Ready to start the day. Charlie has tried to rearrange my studio and told me I need to get new shelves, but he also told me I look radiant this morning, so it's fine. Yes. <laughs> so I appreciate everyone's patience getting this episode out because it is a week late. I had said that I was having a little bit of a rough week last week, so we didn't get a chance to record. But really, it was that we couldn't stop watching Jersey Shore, so we finally pulled ourselves away. Yes. <laughs> from Polly D in the situation. <laughs> and now we're here, ready to record and ready to talk about Spain. So if you have not listened to Eurotrip Part 1, go back and listen to that episode. We talk about our time in Copenhagen, and we didn't have enough time to finish the whole trip. We have one more country to talk about. So from Copenhagen, we'd spent a week in Copenhagen really loving the culture not so much loving the weather, but we didn't let it let, let it get us down. And then we made our way south, three and a half hour plane ride south to Spain. How did you feel about the plane ride? It was an easy plane ride. Um, oh, but we should talk about the debacle in the Copenhagen airport in case anyone ever is traveling out of the Copenhagen airport because you need to know about this. It's a humongous PSA. I feel like we really got gypped. I got gypped. I did get gypped. Do you remember? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. So for some reason, they have this weird rule where they give you these very small, like like a sandwich bag, Ziploc bag, clear, and they say all of your toiletries, every single liquid, including makeup, they did say that, including makeup, toothpaste, anything has to fit inside this sandwich Ziploc bag. Or else you cannot take it. And that's not the case anywhere else. So, of course, we were traveling for two weeks. I mean, I had all travel-sized things, but you don't have to pull it out anywhere else. I think it was just kind of an antiquated system. Oh, my God. Using. They were so but strict, was... though. Like, if you did, if you did not have the, the toiletry in the Ziploc bag, they made you throw it out. I, had to th I, like, just panicked and tried to save my, like, most precious expensive travel size things and then had to go like restock when we got to Spain. It was really traumatic for me. Right. So that was so beware. a situation of great anxiety, but the flight itself wasn't 
too bad at all. Three and a half hours down to in Spain, we did three cities. We did yeah. kind of, it was little bigger, biggest, Lazinha. No, we flew Alicante, into Alicante, yeah. And Barcelona, right? So we flew into Alicante, drove down, were picked up by yeah. some of Christelle's work friends. Yeah. So the premise of this trip and why it happened and it kind of came from being over in Copenhagen, my very, like my best work friend, Paula Gibson, she's like, she, you know, you have, everyone knows you have your work bestie. Paula's my work bestie and she lives over in Northern Ireland and they have a, a an apartment, kind of like their little second, like a uh, snowbird spot in a town called Lasagna in Spain, which is in on the East Coast, but South. So it's like, probably like, I mean, the train ride was four hours to Barcelona, so it's like four hours south by high-speed train, so it's probably even longer by driving, I would assume. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty far south. And it's, so when I was talking about, hey, I'm coming to Copenhagen, Paula was like, okay, well, I'm going to be in Spain during this time. You need to come visit. And I was like, wow, okay. I hadn't seen her since 20, I think 2015, like it'd been a really long time, but we, you know, we work together every day. We see each other on camera, but I was so excited. And Paula is Irish and her husband, Paul, Paula and Paul, um, they, they love to have some pints of beer and they love to have lots of pints of beer. They love to drink. So we pull up and like their main mission was like, let's like get the Americans blacked out. So we were very lucky. They picked us up from the airport in Alicante and it was what, like a 45 minute drive. To Lasagna? Yeah, 45 yeah. minutes south. Um, it didn't feel like being in Spain for the first weekend. It felt like we were still, or it felt like we were in Ireland just because they were, <laughs> they, they have, it's, it's kind of like this little Ireland town that they live in inside Lasagna where they have this little uh, pocket of Irish pubs and Irish uh breakfast restaurants and so we were eating Irish cuisine and we were I watched my first oh, yeah. uh, Scottish football match over the weekend uh, it just felt you know it was like really we in Dublin yeah it was really strange so it's so just like was, this yeah. kind of weird pocket of a town where a lot of Irish people have kind of like vacation summer like Florida yeah yeah it's like they're Florida and like the restaurants are like all owned by Irish people like everyone speaks English even all the Spanish people, they know that this is like such a big Irish community. They all speak English. There's Irish pubs everywhere. Yeah, it was it was really fun. But the um, and we stayed at a hotel. There's only like one hotel in the town. Everything else is like pretty residential. You would never go to this town. Like no American tourist, unless they had a reason, like we did, would go to this town. So that is kind of fun because you kind of feel like you're peeling back the curtain a little bit and you get to like see small bigger biggest yeah like it's like oh this is just a way of life that is kind of removed from tourism uh but it's beautiful it was so beautiful it's on the coast um their coastline is like the beaches are uh a little bit like um I don't know. I would say like a little like thicker sand, like not as like a fine grain as like some of the East Coast beaches. It's like a little like rockier. It reminds me of the Pacific Ocean where you have kind of rocky coastline with pockets mm -hmm. of like coarse sandy beaches. Yeah. That's yeah. Kinda, they had they labeled it as uh, Paul and Paula labeled it as beach one. 
Beach 2 and Beach 3. They went on uh, several morning walks with us and showed us their uh, walking routes, mm-hmm. and they just have these little kind of like I kind shoreline of coves. beach coves. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like pocket areas. Right, not cool. like I think some people, at least I'm like really familiar with East Coast beaches like Florida, New Jersey, where it's just like st- big, long strips of beach, right? Like you could like walk for miles on there. You can't like walk, yeah, you can't walk on the beach here, but they do have walkways that are like around like the cliff side, which are absolutely beautiful. Just like looking out at the Mediterranean Sea and the the Mediterranean Sea is like just such a different shade of blue than... Again, like I'm primarily used to the Atlantic Ocean, gross, not the best, but even like the Pacific Ocean, it's way different. The Mediterranean's way different than both of those. Yeah, the, the Mediterranean was just gorgeous. Both the horizon and the shades of the water were just Yeah, I've never the seen sky like was a different color over there. Yeah. And I wonder if it's this well, I mean, I guess the sky is the same color everywhere, right? It's just like the reflection of like what's below it. Is that how the sky works? Why are you rolling your eyes at me like you know the answer to what I'm going to ask? Anywho. Do you? No. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting to talk about the color of the sky, Charlie. The color of the sky is different in Colorado, too. True. So it was beautiful. It was just absolutely, absolutely beautiful. And like a pretty, I'm going to say low-key but it really wasn't low key because we were like nonstop and we did black out. Like I have not been blacked out drunk and I re- I can't even tell you the last time before the Friday we arrived in Spain drinking with them. They drink an excessive amount of beer. Beer, but when we had tequila, going out with them was so much fun though. I mean, if anyone listening has ever been out with fucking Irish people that they're just, it's like the best time ever. It's so much fun. We had a great time. We were a little, we were hurting in the morning. Charlie was absolutely hurting. Charlie gets really bad hangovers. and I did not think he was going to make it, but they picked us up for breakfast and we went and had a proper fry, which is like an English breakfast. It has eggs and beans and sausage and toast and tomatoes and mushrooms. Super hearty. Yeah. It's really good. I think. But that kind of brought us back to life a little bit. Right. You And then you had to go watch your football game. The other big uh, ticket item of that day was that you went to your first topless beat, your first European beach. Yeah. So that was really... How was that experience for you? Talk to me about that. It was... It Honestly, it, it wasn't that strange. Just because, I mean, everyone was just kind of doing their thing and minding their own business. Right. Everyone's minding their own business. No one cares. Yes, it was uh, very refreshing. But you did get a little bit of a shock, right? Oh, yeah. So we were kind of walking around, uh, like getting the lay of this little beach cove. And uh, out of the water, like popped, like mermaid style, these two old ladies who had been snorkeling out near a reef that was maybe 30 yards from the shoreline just came out of the water completely naked except their snorkeling mm-hmm. gear. And I missed this part. So that was kind of like, that That caught me off guard. Is it like burned into your memory forever? Yeah. Is it a core it memory? Definitely like out of a movie <laughs> scene scenario. So that kind of, yeah, caught but me like, off guard for sure. Yeah. But the other stuff was like actually very great, very refreshing. Very refreshing to see lots of tits on the beach. Yes. Yeah, great. Um, okay, yeah, so then we we went out with them again another night, which was a little bit more key, but we had a, I 
think at least we had like this was like my magic moment. Oh, the other important thing was that Paula's mom and her aunt were also visiting. So it was like these two old little old Irish women that were just like, I don't know, so like enthralled and excited about life still. And like they every, you know, every night before we would get dinner or get drinks, they would like make sure they were really dressed up and they had all their outfits ready. They kept saying they had to have they had to have their outfits ready for the Yanks. And they were just like so sweet and lovely and it definitely made you feel like you were at home. It was like your mom and your aunt were there. They were very, it's, you know, homey yeah. and welcoming. And it was just a very content situation. Yeah. And that's like those moments with them. And then the story I'm about to tell is like the reason why I feel like I love European travel so much when you just like, yeah, the sites are gorgeous and it's historic and it's just like magical on its own but then when you get to just like sit down with people that live in different parts of the world just like regular ordinary people and like hear about their lives and how they think and how they feel it just like makes it I don't know what do you think you're like not even paying attention to me (laughs) what do you think about that You don't have anything to say about it. So I'm going to tell a really funny story. It's not a funny story. It's like my magical moment story of Europe. When we... uh, So in Spain, it's really weird because weed is like not legal, but it is legal if you smoke it in a private property, on a private property. So basically like they just don't want you out in public like buying and selling and like smoking weed. But if you do it in the comfort of your home, own own home they don't care right so there's like ways that people can get around this like law of selling wheat and they say like okay well this is like a private residence so if you come into this private residence of mine and i sell it to you you can smoke it here you just can't like take it and, and take it and go somewhere right. they have cannabis cafes all over spain you just have to but in, they're not even in the legal sense you have to keep whatever you're imbibing like on the premises you can't take anything with you yeah and it's it's they're not like they're like an amsterdam cafe which is like set up for like you to be comfortable and it's cool and it's crowded and it's busy like these are almost kind of like hide it like hide it yeah it's definitely in the infancy of you know its movement yeah right they're you know right they're making coming along so paula and paul had like kind of brought it up as a joke that they were, like, going to smoke a doobie or something. And we were like, oh, wait, are you really? Because, like, we would love to. And they're like, oh, there's this, like, medical shop right by our our apartment. We haven't been there, but, like, we'll take you. And I was like, yes, let's go. So we go in, and it's, like, kind of weird. And you have to, like – I think we were able to do it because we were with Paula and Paul, and they were technically, like, residences of Spain. And so it was fine. But it was just, like, a – I don't know, kind of a weird situation. But – they left us to it, and the, I guess we would call them here, like, a bud tender, like, the guy who was, like, behind the bar, like, doing the weed. Um, his name is Roman. We, like, started chatting, and I had mentioned on the episode before that I had started reading, and I was getting, like, really into reading when I travel, and I, like, love that little reintroduction of, of a book. And I had picked the... What's it called? Fuck, fuck, fuck. So I think it's called like the last daughter, like the daughter of Auschwitz or like the last daughter of Auschwitz or something. But anyway, it's about this woman who survived the Holocaust as a child. Like she was like five years old in Auschwitz, which was like 
unheard of. There were like no children that survived the Holocaust. She's like in her 80s now. She's one of the last remaining survivors. The book was incredible. It really focused more on like life after, since she was so young, like what her life looked like after surviving this insane, intense trauma. And um, I was just really into that mode, right? Like I was just like feeling that book and like feeling her story. And it was a really powerful story for me. And so I meet Roman at this little weed shop in Spain and we get to talking and he's Russian. And I was like, what are you doing in Lasagna, Spain from Russia, Roman? Like, how did you get here? And he like proceeds to tell me the story about how his mom fled Russia when he was like six or seven, left every, all of her family, left everyone that she knew behind because, you know, conditions were like so, so terrible in Russia and she only had this one very random, aloof connection in Lasagna, Spain. And so that's just where she picked to move because there was nowhere else she knew to go. She moved to Spain. She didn't know the language. She had a small child. And like I was just like, oh, my God, think about that scenario where you leave everything behind, everyone that you know and everyone that you love to go start a life somewhere else because your current situation is just so bad that you don't think that you can continue. It's just like a huge risk. And anyway, so he tells a story about how his mom like is working three jobs and raising him and ends up opening her own store, her own like Russian store and is like selling it and like selling shit and like killing it. And it was just like this incredible real life inspiring story that fits so well into like the narrative of this book that I was immersed in. And I just felt like such a connection. I told Roman, I was like, please tell your mom that this random American girl just like is honestly inspired and awestruck by her and thinks that she's like an incredible person. So it was really wonderful. Charlie did I'm, not. I'm sure he did. Charlie did not feel the magic of that at all. You were like pacing and wanting to leave. I was really high. <laughs> Fine. That's fair. But anyways, it's just like I feel and. Every other time I've been to Europe, the two other times I've been to Europe, I just, I get these kind of like little magic moments of like meeting strangers or like having this like weird, I don't know, you just feel like a connection with this person that's in a different part of the world that I will never see again and I will never talk to again. And, but I will never forget that story. Like that is one of the questions we got from Instagram is like, what's a core memory? Like that is such a core memory for me. Yeah, that was a fun little hour off the beaten path. Yeah. And He's so cool. I wish I could have just like talked about his life for like a long, a much longer time. But we had to get back to the ants. Okay, so anything else about lasagna that we want to talk about? Uh, no. It was really beautiful and like really relaxing. And coming from Copenhagen, which was cold, fifty-five, rainy, you know, like really like bustling city, and then we go to this just like little gorgeous oasis of like seventy-five degrees and beauty. It was like kind of, it was really somewhat shocking, but refreshing and needed. Yeah. Gorgeous weekend. Yeah. And so then we took a bus from Lasagna, about a 45 minute bus ride to Alicante, right. which is an ancient port city. And we were only going to be there for about half a day and a night. And then the next morning we were catching a train to Barcelona. So we just got this, I found this little Airbnb, like studio apartment in a high rise building. That was really cool. It was perfect. It had everything that we needed. Bed, little kitchenette, little dining area, whatever. Great views. You could open up the windows and see like 360 views of the city and the mountains. Um, and 
so yeah, what th- that to me, Alicante was like the surprise of the trip. And this was the first city that, well, like Lasagna I hadn't been to, but <clears throat> Alicante I also had not been to. So these were like brand new city experiences for me, which is always really fun. What did you think about Alicante? Alicante was probably about the same size as Cincinnati. I think a little larger. I think they had what 485,000 was the downtown populace. No but idea. anyway, it was a good sized city and we were right in the center uh right near near the, you know, walking distance from the train station that we took the next morning. So we just kind of got dropped off at the bus in the middle of town, went to our hotel, dropped our things off and went to there's a giant kind of the same way Barcelona is set up where there is this giant mountain in the center of the city like right on the coastline in Barcelona it's uh Montjuic and I don't even know the name of it Santa Barbara Santa Barbara right yeah Alicante Castle Santa Barbara is what it's called right and the castle was again you know right in the middle of the city on the ocean and this was an 8th century Muslim castle originally uh, so that's where we we set our quest first and just kind of like climbed up the mountain, went through the. It was an indoor outdoor museum. They had it was know, a legit walls that you could castle. walk through. It was uh, yeah. They had a uh, dungeon, weapons keep, all the you know traditional. It was definitely it was set up on the compound. highest po- yeah highest point of the city again overlooking all of the city of like the mountains in the background, the sea ahead of you. It was, it was gorgeous. I mean, it was a, it was a serious hike. Like we walked, we averaged 20,000. I looked at my tracker. We averaged 20,500 steps a day, but that day I think was like close to 30,000. Right. Cause we, we just walked the city and it was great timing too coming back because as we were coming, Mm, traversing back down uh the main staircase the sun was setting yeah. directly on us with the castle in the background it's just a gorgeous walk back down into the city uh right as night was setting yeah alicante i thought was i i thought it was a great city it's an it's again it's another one of those cities that i don't it doesn't get a lot of tourism i can imagine like at least um like international tourism maybe in spain people are like that might be a nice vacation spot because it's right on the beach and that's the where city, the airport is yeah the major airport yeah the city's right on the beach it has like a huge like boardwalk walkway mosaic the whole city's like very whimsical and artsy like it's pretty but it also has this air of just like Oh, this is like where, like Cincinnati is. Like, oh, this is just like a, like a normal American city, right? We're not a Chicago. We're not a New York. We're not in LA. We're not even a Nashville. You know, it's just like, whatever. It's great. I love it, clearly. But I don't think, it's not your first stop when you're like, I'm going to the US. Yes, I'm going to go to Cincinnati. People aren't like, I'm going to go to Spain. I'm going to go to Alicante. They're like, Barcelona, Madrid. You know what I mean? So I was happy that we got to experience Something like that, that again was just a little like, this is just like everyday normal people going in and out of work. It was super cheap. Really, really cheap. We And lasagna too was like, I got a cappuccino and like a big bottle of water for like an equivalent of $3. You can't even get a cappuccino for like less than $5 in the US. So that's interesting. Yeah, you could really stretch a buck. 
you can really stretch a buck. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything that Alicante was my, a little like the little like surprise treat for me. Well, again, we were only there for a day, yeah, so we uh, were coming down the mountain. We have dinner, and then really the next morning we were off. Yeah, we were uh, off. on the uh, high speed rail. Yeah, we did not have any great. The food in Lasagna, like the the Irish breakfast, was probably my favorite part. Um, everything else was just I didn't even really. It was just like yeah, it was fine. Alicante food was like not again, just like fine, nothing right. crazy. We didn't spend a lot of time researching good places though either. Okay, so then we took a high speed train from Alicante to Barcelona. It was about four hour train ride. How did you feel about your first European train ride? That was the probably the most comfortable mode of transit uh the you know you could really stretch out there wasn't there were there were more people that got on the train as we got closer to the city again it was Mm -hmm. about four and a half hours so we were on there for a while but for the most part it you know wasn't too crowded they had a bar uh uh train a little bar cart that you could go back and get coffee or snacks from so it was actually very enjoyable um, yeah, I, I love the train. That's like such a nice way to travel. It's so easy. You don't have to fucking go through like a security checkpoint. You're not like crammed. You can spread out. You can look out the window. And you can this get up and walk was, around. So this, this rail pretty much exclusively was on the coastline going up. There were some times where it snaked inland, but we pretty consistently had a view of the Mediterranean Sea, which was just... I remember nice mountains. Topping. I remember a lot of mountains. Yeah, there we were kind of like right in the middle of, you know, being on the shoreline and then you had the mountains on the other side. So kind of both views from the train was just uh very picturesque. The one thing I want to talk about Spain though before I forget, and this was this really kind of reared its head in Barcelona. Uh you can't drink the water out of the faucet in Spain, which may sound kind of shocking to some people because this is not like a third world country or anything, but it's just like they don't separate their sewer, their sewage system or how does, what's the situation? Why can't you drink the water? Uh, It's just not filtered correctly. They don't have the same water treatment plant facilities that you do in the United States. It's just, you know, it's just not, Yeah, it's not treated correctly. So you can't drink the water, which... For someone like me who I need I need a gallon of water a day. This is not an exaggeration to like feel just like properly hydrated, like at my good baseline foundation, like I'm always drinking water. So without being able to fill up my water bottle, like in uh, under a faucet or whatever, and like you just have to always be trying to find bottles of water and like those fucking little plastic bottles of water, like that's like two sips. You buy one, you're like, okay, well, I need about five more. I don't have the capacity to carry five. I can't buy one of the big-ass ones and, like, lug it around. It it was really – I don't understand how anyone in, in Europe is hydrated. It was it was hard to acclimate, but I think by the time we got to I Barcelona, so, we had learned to, you know, keep water on us oh, while we were out walking. It was never walking, enough. At least just so, you know, we had something. I felt like I was never hydrated enough, and I was so swollen. My hands and my feet – because of like the dehydration, the traveling, all the walking, I've never been so swollen in my life. Like I, every chance I got, I was like laying down with my legs up a wall. It was really uncomfortable at some points, but I pushed through because walking around with Charlie, like you don't get a break. 
and you well, have to basically run to keep up with you. Well, there's just a lot to see. There's a lot to see. So let's talk about what we saw in Barcelona. So we spent about four days in Barcelona. We stayed in, um, oh, my favorite, favorite, favorite chain brand, whatever line of hotels. They're called H10. Um, it's a Spanish hotel chain, but they have them all over Europe, but there's tons in Spain because it's where they originated. It's called H10. If you were ever looking for a hotel, they have like probably five different ones in Barcelona and different parts of the city. Um, they're just fantastic. They're just super nice, like boutique hotels, really cute, but like reasonable, good food, always in a great location, good staff. Just highly recommend H10. So we were in, uh, what's it called? Catal- Catal- Catalonia, Placa Catalonia. Or right. our hotel was what's it called? You right, it's it's right in the center of town. It's in the center. Yeah, it's in the center of town, right by La Rambla, the the pedestrian walkway that like takes you down to the water. It's a great, great location. Yeah, you did a great job scoping out the correct spot because we were kind of equidistant from everything in the city. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what did we do when we got there? Uh, what did we do when we got there? The the so I never told you this, but the whole like this is going to be Barcelona Barcelona thing. Yeah, I never really thought was true, but while yeah. we, we were checking <laughs> into the hotel, there was this older couple from Phoenix in front of us, and they were bantering back and forth with the check-in lady and. Her name was Celia, and the the guy from Phoenix goes, "Thank you for your help, Celia." And she goes, "No, no, no, it's Thelia." Thelia. And I almost like dropped my luggage. I couldn't believe that that was like the whole introduction to Barcelona. I thought it was so funny that that it's real. rings true. It's yeah. Tr- it's well, real. Barcelona is a really weird like they're Catalan. They're like in Catalan. It's like a separate part, like a separate state of Spain, but not state. Anyone who's listening that knows is probably like, you're butchering the fuck out of this. But, like, they have their own language. It's different from Spanish. They have their own, like, government, but they use the euro. And there's always, like, this tension of, like, they want to want to be separate. It's weird. Do you know have you know anything about that? Just that some of the uh, dialects are... Yeah, so they have a different like dialect. ...intermingled. Yeah, it's a completely different language, but mm-hmm. in some provinces it's like a little bit of both i guess so anyway between that that's where the barcelona comes barcelona, from barcelona it is yeah. a real thing yes it is a real thing yeah you were th- you thought people were just like fucking around with you i don't know like they wanted to be like snobby and say different <laughs> so yeah okay we get there and then i think immediately we just start walking as we do and you had some old churches that you wanted to see barcelona like the whole city is just like a an a, work of art in my mind everything is beautiful to look at the architecture architecture is probably my favorite i've seen in the limited amount of places in the world i've seen but it's probably my favorite yeah everything is art in the city from the lamp posts to the uh the uh cell towers that surround the city they're uh they're designed by like artists artists, which is pretty wild um, but I think the first thing we did was walk down the Barcelona's Via Appia. Yeah, their main way is called La Rambla, which is what the largest walking something mm. or other. It's In Copenhagen's the largest pedestrian 
walking way than the city center. La Rambla is just like, yeah, really big and long. Right. This had to be a close second. It stretched all the way down to through the city to uh, the shoreline. And so we, we walked that for a couple miles. And then I think we stopped at the Basilica de Barcelona the, mm. or the uh, their main cathedral. Yeah. Every Spanish city has like a cathedral in the center. Um, Barcelona is no different. They have the Sagrada de Familia, obviously, but their main cathedral is a little south of there, the uh, Cathedral de Barcelona. Yeah. The thing that I love about Barcelona, too, is they have these bus tours. They're like on-off bus tours, and there's two different companies that do it, kind of like a red bus and a blue bus. Um, And they just, they have like routes that they, it's double-decker. You can like, the top is you can like sit outside and like open air. And they just go around on a route to like all the major places and you can just get on, get off at any time, any point you have headphones, you stick it in, they'll talk to you about what's happening, what's going on, like what's coming up next, why you should, or, you know, get off or whatever. And it's just such a nice way to see the city. You don't have to, and it's just, how much was it? Like 30 bucks? Uh, yeah, it was like $30. You get 24 hours. Yeah. You can jump on and jump off wherever you want in the city and they're coming, you know, they're, they're rolling through every 15 minutes yeah. or so. We, we never really waited more than that. Sometimes no. it's some of the stops, like the, the Sagrada de Familia, obviously the, there's, you know, like a couple lines. Uh, yeah. Depending on like on time of off. day and like where you are. Cause there are just so many people there. But yeah, other than that, it was, it was a really fast way to see the city yeah and you can hit like all the spots so what did we do we saw we saw a bull fighting arena yeah the uh something to taurus uh plaza de toros yeah toro is bull right and so you there is no bullfighting anymore in when? spain it's i don't know when we they didn't made it figure illegal, out when but, they made it illegal but anyway they have all these old arenas uh that they some are repurposed into like outdoor amphitheaters mm-hmm. or uh there was one the one that we walked into was a museum and then they had uh like weekend uh markets mm-hmm. there things so it, it just kind of fun to see like how they yeah. remake them and and things like cuz they're all over the city cuz it's such a popular it was was yeah. a, such a popular pastime and now they're just kind of these little ghost arenas uh so we walked through one of those my one of my favorite uh stops was seeing the uh port port vell um cuz it was just such a barcelona is a port city major major port city they have uh, a World Trade Center, uh, yeah. a port trading center in the middle of their uh, port. It's a huge commercial trading area, and it's just this giant. Um, some of the uh, they they actually have a shopping center down on the the left hand side, and then they have a what a elevated cable car that runs yeah all the way up to uh, Montjuic, which is the mountain that's in the center of Barcelona. With another castle on top of it. Right. Which we saw. Um, let's talk about Sagrada Familia. Because that's like we went we went back we, we went back there twice. And that's just like one of those places that even if you like see pictures so it's this the church in Barcelona that has been 
They started building in 1892, I'm pretty sure. They started the construction of this building in 1892, and it is still not done. When I went to Barcelona in 2017, they were like, oh, yeah, by 20... I think they were like, by 2022, it'll be done. But every time, it's like pushback. Now I think it's, what, 2035? 2035. It's the largest, tallest Roman Catholic church in the world, obviously. It's... Incredible. Yeah, Designed by Gaudi, who unfortunately met an early death because he was hit by a trolley car. But he has like his little disciples that are like finishing it for him. Like he had designed it and they're kind of constructing it in, in his name and his way. Gaudi is just, I don't know, an insane, incredible artist. He's designed like almost all of the city of Barcelona, like the architecture. It's, he almost looks like Dr. Seuss-like. It's just bizarre. It's insane. Um, but the church itself is like something if you see in pictures. And then once you get there, it is like, honestly, you're like jaw on the floor kind of feeling. Right. Yeah, it's that, beautiful. It's, it's really, it's, it's an out-of-body experience. I can't describe it any mm-hmm. other way. It's just absolutely jaw-droppingly mm-hmm. gorgeous from the size of the actual structure to the architecture to the spires. It mm-hmm. has uh, 16 spires that represent Mary, the, the disciples, disciples, Mary, the apostle, Matthew, Mark, whatever. Luke, and John. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, each, each piece of the church represents something and tells a story, and mm-hmm. it's just... Absolutely breathtaking. And that's just the outside. And then the second time we came back to see it, we did uh, not even a tour through uh, one of the spires. Yeah, we couldn't get in. It was sold out. We just got inside and walked around and kind of equally as taken aback just seeing the series of stained glass windows and everything is designed in a specific way, you know, how the light hits a mm-hmm. certain area at a certain day. And, um, it's just very thoughtful. Goodness, it was yeah. just absolutely incredible. He also designed, uh, Parkway, which is another, is one of my favorite, favorite spots in Barcelona. It's a huge park. He originally designed it to be like, people would buy plots of land and build their houses. It's a little like up into the mountains, like away from the main part of the city. So at the top of the park, you look out on the city and then the sea behind it. It's it's definitely a very San Francisco feel. Yeah, the you're park kind is of just on the hill behind gorgeous. the city, looking out on the ocean, uh, and it's a it's a very and he Excellent designed it. Gaudi designed it. And so there's like weird little houses. So it never like really took off like he imagined just as like this community. But there are a couple like weird little Dr. Seuss houses scattered about. And then just like the walkways and... There's a lot of outdoor architecture. There's, yeah. He designed uh, it so it like was melded into nature. Yeah. Like it looks like the, the structures would just like be a part of nature, like stone. But like they're not. They're man-made. It's... It's one of my it's my one of my favorite parks. Like if not maybe my favorite park in the world. Yeah, the whole mosaics, place is like tons a, of mosaics. An outdoor art walk. Yeah, now that's a good way to describe it. An outdoor art walk, art art walk. Yeah, beautiful there. Um, shit, I was gonna say something about that, but I forgot. Oh, what I was gonna say is, if anyone's planning a trip or wants to go to Barcelona, if you want to see anything in. Sagrada Familia, like booking tours or booking like walking in the spires. That's like one thing I recommend doing, booking ahead of time. So because they like fill up super fast. Like if we tried to book day of and we couldn't get really anything that we wanted, you have to, 
even a day in advance, you could get a tour, but we couldn't get up into the tower. So that's one thing you need to book ahead of time. Also, I want to just note that the last time I was there in 2017, I had this feeling of like, oh, I've been gypped. Everyone told me that people were going to speak English here and like not a lot of people do. But this time around, we had no problem communicating whatsoever. And any part of our trip, we had no problem communicating. And I really, that was, I mean, I don't know if it was just, that was my first time in Europe. So I was like feeling a little intimidated or whatever, or if, I don't know, just because of like the growing tourism, more people speak English. I don't know, but it was super easy. Everybody wants to speak English. Everyone wants to speak English. Um, okay, what else do we got? Parkway. Oh, well, so there's so much to do in Barcelona that there was a lot of st- Like we didn't get to go to any of the zoos and they're really well known for the zoos. There were two zoos in the city and they're a couple miles apart from each other. So that was a stop that we just didn't have time for, but looked... And Just absolutely incredible. All of Olympic Park. So they had the 1992 yes. Olympics. 96 was in Atlanta. Yeah, they had 1992 Olympics in Barcelona. And so they built this, this Olympic Park to hold the Olympics. And it's they still use the park then today for like various activities. But... It's just pretty. It's over just like a huge sprawl, like across in the mountains. Like it's, it's gorgeous. It's on Mount Chuik. And uh, so you could go to Mount Chuik and we say like it's this hill in the middle of the city, but it's its like own city in itself in the sense that that's where the castle is. That's where the uh, cable car is. It'll take you all through the mountain. That's where. Uh, the MNAC is, which is one of their largest museums. That's where oh, the Placa de España is. That's where the Olympic Park is that she was describing. The botanical gardens are up there. So you could spend an entire week just yeah. up on that mountain going yeah. through all. And it's just absolutely gorgeous. And every place you go has a view of the city and a view of the ocean below it. So that was a whole. We didn't even we didn't go to we didn't even the scratch beach. the surface up there. Yeah, we didn't. I mean, we we had like lunch by the beach one day. It's beautiful, but like we didn't have like a full beach day, which you could have done easily a full beach day. Bar- I mean, you could spend you know a week plus in Barcelona and feel like you have so much to do. Like there w- there would never be there would never be boredom. There's and the so other big thing that, that we we stopped at. Another one of my favorite stops, but we didn't get to like really explore was the uh, Camp No, the Barcelona Football Club Stadium. Oh, yeah, uh, we which didn't is, go it to really a football is a camp. Game. It's like a compound. And another uh, friend of the show, Ellen, Ellen. Everyone, Ellen Gurley went, and she said that that was the best day of her entire existence on planet to, Earth. She went to a game. Yes. And uh, yeah, we we, we missed definitely that. missed out. On <laughs> they were that. playing in Italy while we were there, so we really we couldn't get one. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share about our time in Spain? What did you? Um, what was your favorite food? I know my favorite food. We had it twice. What was it? The honest greens. Oh, that yeah. restaurant. That restaurant was really good. This I'm trying is to remember. Like fast serve it here. You think about it. I'll talk about honest greens. Is like. It's like a sweet green on steroids. It's like, you know, it's kind of fast. Like you order and you get a number and they bring it out to you. But they have these bowls and these salads. And it's kind of like a little Mediterranean um, flair to it. But everything is so fresh and absolutely delicious. Like big hearty salads and grain bowls and salmon and falafel. 
and like the sauces, the dressings. It was so good. It was so good. It was right by our hotel. We had it twice. Yeah, it was amazing. I wish that they had one in. They have one. They're just in Spain, I think. Um, I think honest I think, greens. If you are in Barcelona, you want to want to feel good and eat something delicious. That's where you got to go. Yeah, that was that was. We went twice. Yeah, we had some good paella one day. I think I think I had a couple good dishes, but I think when I think about food the most, what I remember most vividly is the the Taco Bell oh, yeah. restaurants <laughs> that had. I mean, lo- not lines out the door, but lines out the door and down the block. Like Taco Bell was the hottest. All these fast food places were just in Barcelona. I mean, it, it's the just hottest all club the rave. in Barcelona. Yeah, I, I, like Saturday night, ten o'clock. There's 10 a line around the block to go to Taco to get Bell. into Taco Bell. That was. And I wonder, we were very, we were really that. close to the university, so I don't know I don't if it's like... I don't think that had anything to do with it. I don't I know, but I'm like, is. these are my people, obviously. They love Taco Bell as much as I do. We did not get any Taco Bell. We couldn't. We couldn't. I, I did get McDonald's. Like a two-hour wait. I did get McDonald's at the Barcelona airport because I just wanted to like tr- have an experience of McDonald's in a different country. Um, and it was weird. There, I got a, as I do, a sausage egg McMuffin with cheese. But the sausage was not like our sausage. It was more like a chorizo-y sausage. And you could also get like Iberico ham on like a fucking baguette at McDonald's. Yeah, it was (laughs) strange. It was strange. Um, I think that, you know, for this trip for us and people, a lot of people like ask about food. I mean, we love to eat good food. We, We really do. But I don't think we were so focused this trip on like finding, you know, the best restaurant or like doing, you know, making reservations ahead of time to like get to these like good restaurants. We were more interested in like the scene and the walking and like the being outside part of it. Yeah, I think that that was definitely not my concern. We were not as focused. But I mean, I would I would love to have a trip that's like focused around food and then as you're, you're more like acclimated with the city then, then you, you think you can like dig in deeper yeah so maybe we go back again then we'll be like okay what's the best restaurant in barcelona then to we'll go make to some recommendations yeah okay gotcha um okay so i'm gonna we're gonna go to some questions from instagram that people asked so comparisons between how they live Versus us, pros and cons. So we'll just we can just talk in generality of like Copenhagen and Spain. I think we talked a lot about we. I love the way the Danish live in general. Like I just think that they're so much healthier than us. They're like so. I think all in all, healthier, mentally healthier, physically healthier. Like they're just on a supreme wellness journey all the time in their life. Um, Spanish. I don't. I think what you said, I noticed this when I went to Spain the first time about how people like aren't concerned about you. Like it's kind of rare that you like catch someone's eye, like a, like a waitress or like a waiter or whatever. And they like smile at you. Like it was, it would be kind of normal to do that here. Like if you catch someone, you know, you're like, we're kind of like friendly. They don't give a fuck. They don't care about being friendly to you. Yeah. Which is great. That's, I kind (laughs) of, I don't know. Not that they're rude, but they just don't go out of their way to be friendly. Right. The the juxtaposition of the lifestyle of Denmark versus Spain was one of the highlights of the trip because in Copenhagen, that's kind of like how you want to 
strive to live. You know, mm. you want to go to bed early and you want to eat correctly and everyone's working out all the time and, you know, uh, exercising their mental dexterity and it's just very wholesome. And then meanwhile, in Spain, everyone's staying out late, yeah. listening to music. Drinking. It's like Miami, Florida down there. Everyone's <laughs> drinking and going nuts and dancing and it's just, you know, the culture is incredible and it's so diverse and mm-hmm. just amazing. So Lively. that's kind of how you want to, you know, it kind of works out and you want to yeah. cut loose. And you can have both. Like there's, there's aspects of both that I like to incorporate and take with me. Um, someone, a- oh, someone asked, uh, most important, are your feet okay? My feet were not okay for like a couple days after returning. Like every time I would wake up, they would be sore. Like a, the first couple steps I would take in the morning, they were like tight and sore I think they became unswollen by like day five of being home. It was rough. It was rough for my feet. I mean, I think I wore the appropriate shoes. I had like Nikes and New Balance the whole time. But it was just a lot of walking nonstop. Like we were gone for two weeks and the only time that we took a rest was our last day in Barcelona. And it was because we physically could not continue anymore. We hit the wall. Yeah, we walked a lot. Nonstop. Part of that was, I mean, it's in, you know, it's, not really kosher to take cabs in Denmark. Everybody just rides bikes around. I think we only took a cab once in Spain or maybe twice. Yeah. But I mean, we're like, oh, it's three miles away. Let's walk. We were going to be walking everywhere. Oh, wait, can you tell the story about your new shoes? Yes. (laughs) Um, I got some ridiculously colored shoes that I think uh, what Paul... What are they? Hoka's? Hoka's? How, how do you say it? No, these, oh, are, the, these are Brooks. Oh, Brooks. Um, so I, I knew we were going to be walking around. I wanted to get new running shoes before we left, and they... Brooks has some ridiculous design, and they're very lightly colored, and on the bottom, uh, where the tread is, they're uh, confetti colored, so they really stand out. And when we got off the plane to Alicante, Paul and Paula pick us up, and immediately Paul, Paul's like a guy's guy, and he's like, he's "Oh, hey, the, some uh, interesting shoes you got on there." <laughs> and I kind of told him that, you know, Christelle's favorite dessert is confetti anything. So like confetti sprinkled cake, <laughs> confetti sprinkled cookies, whatever, just Mm -hmm. if it has confetti on it. So Mm -hmm. I got the shoes to kind of, you know, in her mind, maybe potentially she'll see the shoes and just be in a better headspace because she'll be thinking about the confetti desserts. desserts. (laughs) So, you know, if you guys have seen the movie Inception, that was the idea here. I was planting an idea. You're going to be in a good mood. You're going to be in a good mood. You're going to be in a good mood. For the trip. (laughs) Um, So, but anyways, yeah, I got new shoes just because I knew it was going to be just a walking extravaganza. Walking extravaganza. Yeah, that's the sweetest thing I've ever heard anyone ever do for me is buy shoes that remind them of confetti cake for me. Her question, next question was, how's your mental health when doing such a big trip with all the planning, et cetera? So that's a great question. I'm glad you asked that. I, th- this was, this trip was coming 
off of like two months of travel for me, like back to back travel. Like I was gone every single weekend for about two months. And then I think we had a 10 day break and then we left for Europe. So it was insane. Like I think now I'm almost like just now coming out of like that moment of like I was just in like a survival mode during that it was just like you know I had work I, it, it was really crazy I, I do not recommend that to anyone um but it was the way it worked out and it was amazing and fun and blah 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 so I did a lot of the planning um obviously ahead of time right I had like the flights booked I had all of the lodging booked it helped that I had been to Copenhagen before and that I was you know I, I asked Hannah you know What's the neighborhood I should look in for the Airbnb? That was really nice. It narrowed it down. In Spain, I knew, okay, this is the area that we want to be. I'd been in Barcelona before. And then Alicante, I found an Airbnb that was close to the train station because I knew we'd be walking there in the morning. In Lasagna, there was only one hotel. So that was, that all was pretty easy in terms of planning. And then honestly, once all of that was booked and I had, I kept my little spreadsheet, I'm very organized. I have a little folder and my email, everything was good. I printed out our itinerary. I had copies of our passport. So I felt like very prepared. I was almost like looking for something to be anxious about because I was like, shouldn't I be worried about it? But everything was like very smooth in the trip and planned well. And then once we got to like the city where we were, then Charlie kind of like took over for like the day part of you know, like wake up in the morning and was like, okay, these are the things I want to see. This is what we're going to do. So I kind of like got a break during the, I like put in my work on the front end and then you kind of like took over in the moment. Is that how you felt it went? Yeah, I think it was. But we were, I mean, I'm, I'm a stressed, anxious traveler in general. So yeah, I mean, I I think, I think we definitely like made it more, it, it was, you know, it didn't have to be that stressful, like getting around town and stuff like that. Like we could have taken cars everywhere. We could have, I didn't, uh, put, uh, my cell on any type of plan while I was there. We just no. used Wi-Fi. Like we could have yeah. been on some type of international plan yeah, and had internet everywhere, but like, that's not how I see a new city. Mm-hmm. You know, we were, we ended up like in, uh, when we were in Denmark, we would just kind of memorize the route of where we were going for mm-hmm. that day and then, you know, off on our bikes. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of stressful, but it was also like, yeah, like that's how I want to see the town. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to take in this experience, the city, you know, the correct way if you're just being driven everywhere and you have no sense of the layout of the, like I know Copenhagen now yeah. because we biked everywhere. Yeah. I know wherever I would be in Barcelona now because mm-hmm. we took those uh, yeah. the buses uh, and mega buses and everywhere whatever. and yeah. walked the town and got the lay of the land. And so I think it was stressful, but like in a good way. Yeah. And it's kind because, of like a part of it. You know, like you're yeah. going to Europe, you're having this, it is a brand new experience and you're in a foreign country and no matter how comfortable it is and beautiful, whatever. It is just like this, this extra element of stress of like, you know, shit, I'm not in like my home place and it's new and I don't speak the language, but it's, it, I don't know. My mental health is much in a much better place now, but I think that it, I think I did a pretty good job managing it during the, during, not during the trip, during the trip I had some pretty intense moments, but 
we're working through. Babe, what did you just say? We're what did you just say that we were growing and <laughs> changing together? <Yes>. Like <laughs> I don't know. We're work we're working on ourselves <laughs> over here. Uh, her other question was, did your plants survive? Yes, my plants survived and actually are thriving. Thank you very much to Haley Gurley for coming over here and watering them while we were gone. Yeah, the which which tree the the hibiscus the hibiscus tree had what fourteen uh, tons blooms, of blooms on it, and it had like one before tons uh, of blooms. We left. It was insane. Yeah, I have an orchid, which if anyone knows anything about horticulture, orchids are notoriously very difficult to keep alive and thriving and and flowering like they're just so finicky and i've had this orchid plant for years like i've got to say at least two years and of course it came with some some beautiful red blooms and then the blooms died off but the plant still thrived and while when i came back from europe it had a little tiny red bloom on it and now it has blossomed into an orchid and hadn't bloomed for two years so i think that's a sign if 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 i ever saw one a sign of alignment in the universe what do you think charlie yes thank you Haley. that was just (laughs) god's work yeah thank you so much um okay memorable moments core memories i shared my core memory with roman in the weed shop in lasagna do you have a core memory or a most memorable moment yeah, but I don't think I can share the... Okay, you can't. Do you have a second most memorable moment that you can share? Um, I'm trying to think of... Okay, well, what about when you were walked around by that Nigerian man? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, okay, you don't want to share that one. Um, what about another very... I think another memorable moment I had is just like sitting on the rooftop in Barcelona when that be- very beautiful sky. I think the first night we were there having drinks, that was cute. Yeah, that was actually really... Okay, so that was a really nice... The hotel that we stayed at in Barcelona was a uh, had a rooftop bar. Yeah. And the first night we were there after we had been walking around all mm-hmm. day and just, you know... My feet are annihilated. We mm-hmm. just went up there and had a couple glasses of Prosecco and watched the sunset. And that was such a refreshing yeah. hour and a half period. Yeah. I also really liked the the Olympic diving pool that they put on. And this, the stands that looked at the diving pool also look out into the city. And we had like a moment there where we sat and I had a beer. That was the other thing about Spain. That like talk about altering the course of one's life with travel. All of a sudden, when I was in Spain and I was with Paula and Paul drinking beer, I became a beer drinker. Yeah. I mean, they do it. All, I mean, and that when we were at the Olympic diving, that was at like 11 a.m. I wanted a beer. beer. I wanted a beer at all times of the day. I do not drink beer. Like, I do not drink beer at home at all. I, act, I actively avoid it. I don't even like it. But the beer in Spain is like, it's like a, what do they call it? Like a pilsner? Yes. Yeah, it's just like so refreshing and light and like one beer gives you this like nice little tingling like high feeling of like tip. I don't know, whatever you get like when you're like, I guess drinking it. Is this what people like beer? I don't know. I don't get this feeling from any other beer except the beer in Spain. And when we were in Spain, everywhere I went, I was like, I need a beer. I need just one. You just have one little beer and it's like perfect. Charlie's like, you need to stop drinking 
you can't continue this when we get home. I'm like, thanks, fuck. I know I'm not going to like come home and like be a beer drinker guzzling beers all day. So we're on the backside of Mount Chuik, uh on their like Olympic uh, state ruins side having beers at 11 a.m. And that was probably the coolest part of the Olympic Park was this the diving. old abandoned uh, high dive with a stadium behind it, stadium city behind cafe. it, built into the cliff of Montjuic with just the skyscrapers of the city immediately in the background. And they had like a little cafe at the top of the uh, stadium that you could walk up, just a, a little walk from the road that you could have beers and just sit in the stadium and look down <laughs> at mm-hmm. the entire city. Yeah. And the uh, high dive, it was a pretty incredible view. Yeah. The other like core memory that I have, and this one's from Copenhagen, it was when, you know, it was pretty cloudy there for most of our trip, but we did have a few moments of like bright sunshine. And there was this one stretch of road that we biked down. And it was full, like the fall that we're experiencing now in Cincinnati was happening in Denmark at the end of September. So there's this street lined with just bright yellow trees as the trees were changing. And the sunlight was like pouring, pouring down. And I was just biking down this path. And it was just so like beautiful and peaceful and idyllic, and I was just, like, so grateful and appreciative of that moment, like, that core memory. Do you remember what street I'm talking about? Like, on our way to Refn? Yeah. Yeah. That was, like, my favorite street to bike down, just, like, yellow tree-lined. Yeah, gorgeous. Gorgeous. Uh, okay, then the last question that we have, anything um, that inspired you while you were there? I think I was most inspired and I'm taking away the most, like what's sticking with me the most and something that I'm really holding on and digging into is this, the idea of like responsive parenting that Hannah's practicing in Denmark. And then I, I, a couple of our, um, you know, my friends here that are moms are also practicing this. It's not specific to Denmark, but I think it's kind of has roots there um, where it's, Look it up, anyone. I'll, I I want to talk about this more as as the podcast like continues on. Not this specific episode, but like later episodes. It's called responsive parenting. I think it honestly applies to like the relationship that you have with yourself and the relationship you have with your partner, not just with children. But that has really stuck with me, and that's what's been most inspiring. What about you? I think, um, yeah, I agree. I think also in both countries there was this kind of like simplicity of life and this like less of more lifestyle and this contentness that i don't see too often yeah over here that's a really good point so that was also everything is so much smaller like people have so many just honestly just like less belongings in general i think like adds to the simplicity but also, you know, just as just as happy. Yeah. More. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think that's definitely something to take back with us. I agree. I agree. Okay, Charlie, that's it. We did it. Yeah, we did it. Is there anything wow. else that you <laughs> This only took us about almost two months since we've been back. No, no. We got was, back uh, in October. Oh, no, we've been... We actually, we've been back exactly a month. Exactly one month. One month. How are you doing like one month post-Europe? Are you ready to go back? Yeah, I'm ready to go back. (laughs) 
We will be going back next October for a very special event, but I don't want to tease that just yet. Um, All right. Well, everyone, thanks for coming along with us on this journey. I hope you enjoyed our travels. If anyone is planning on visiting either of those two countries and wants a little bit more inside scoop, just shoot me a DM. I'd love to talk about it. Yes. All right. Shoot us a DM. (laughs) Love you guys. Bye. 